Productions. Algar Productions. I'm Ron Algar Watt, and this is More Bits. Randall Cleveland is a local to Seattle comedy writer-performer who was featured along with his troupe, Princess, back in episode 14. He recently answered the call when I asked for creative types willing to discuss their mental health issues openly. Our resulting conversation was one of the more brutally frank that I've had on the subject in quite some time. It was really refreshing. So we're talking about the sad clown thing, and I I, I don't like that because it, it's, it sort of implies that like everyone who's creative is sad. And I think it's less that everyone who's creative is sad and more that everyone has sadness and trauma and creative people, I think, uh, and this is totally my, like we were just saying, my armchair, Yeah. like I have no training or study or anything, but I think creative and artistic people are more likely to be able to <coughs> be able to acknowledge it um, and, and sort of articulate it and like... So more self, like more self knowledge, more self awareness, just as part of the process, and to feel more comfortable presenting it and acknowledging it and saying like, yes, I am, I do feel sad and terrible sometimes, and I think we're taught sort of culturally in America at least to like not don't push that out on people and don't uh, talk about your sadness or your trauma. Well, and that's definitely been a thing for me. Like for a long time, I talk about being out like with my depression because I sure. didn't talk about it for years and years and years because I was like my dad. And I'm not going to say I had a bad childhood or my parents were terrible. They're, they're great. They're great yeah. people. But my dad is Midwestern and he's got that very stereotypical Midwestern, like you don't talk about that stuff. That's I'm from the Midwest as well, St. Louis area. And uh, my wife jokes about that, how you always know what answer you're going to get anytime you ask anyone in my family. How, how are you? Fine. Yeah. Fine. Well, I heard the house burned down. Yeah. Well, you know, we're doing, we're yeah, doing we're good. We're fine. All right. Um, and it's just a thing that, yeah, that as a kid, like, like same as you, I didn't have a bad childhood. You no. know, I had, my parents were very loving and, and, mm. uh, you know, they're flawed human beings like everybody else and they did the best they could. And overall, like I had it way better than a lot of people even I know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but maybe it's genetics or, or my particular brain chemistry or whatever. And like some stuff stuck with me and some stuff I can't deal with very well. And that's just sort of my well, and uh, that- hand I was dealt. I think I think it's a cultural thing, and I'm not just going to say it's exclusive to the Midwest, but I know this because this is – and he's technically my stepdad, like, so I didn't get any of the genetic part of it, but he mm-hmm. raised me, so he's my dad. But, right. like, what I'm saying is, like, the stoic Midwesterner, the – like, I mean, my dad is a freaking Vulcan. Like, yeah. And that's fine. And I'm not even saying, oh, he didn't show me any love. No, it wasn't that. I totally got love and support from him, but it was – if something's wrong, you don't go talking about you it. You don't burden other people with yeah, it is sort yeah. of the, the vibe of it. Yeah. But on the other hand, yeah, you can seek help. You can get medication. You can talk to, to therapists or whatever. But ultimately, the best thing I've found is having a support system, having people you can talk to about it. Absolutely. Um, I was that sort of cliche. Uh, my wife was the first person <laughs> to suggest, hey – Maybe you should talk to somebody about some things. And uh, I was very resistant about like, you know, I'm not crazy. Uh, I, I deal with it just fine. You know, everybody, I'm sure, goes into screaming fits periodically <laughs> in their life. I, it's totally normal to me. Um, and then when, uh, you know, I was prescribed medication, like, oh, I can't. Should I take this? Will this change who I am? Oh, you know, God, maybe, we all have that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. You know, my, maybe maybe my comedy does come from my trauma. I don't want to lose that. Um 
And now I'm that I'm 100% the reverse talking to, uh, you know, like my sister, like you're very anxious. Maybe you should talk to a therapist. Uh, now, do they do they interpret it as you moved to Seattle and became fruity kind of thing? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when I first moved out here, my I had really long hair. And so I would get that joke all the time. Mm-hmm. Fucking hippie or whatever. Um, so they're all they all sort of smile and nod and like, well, that's great that that worked for you. But that's uh, a weird thing. And I don't. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Not ready to face that. Um, and I, like I said, I was the exact same way. But then I did uh, – I have panic disorder uh, and very high anxiety and also depression. So it's a sweet co- – oh, I think yeah. everyone's got their own amazing cocktail of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but for whatever reason, cognitive behavioral therapy just clicked for me like instantly. And the results uh, were shocking like how sweeping they were and just how fast they started working. Um, so that's my thing is anytime someone's like, I'm, I'm depressed or my sister has the same, I see the same high anxiety in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, man, you should do this thing. It works so well. So I now promise. Take, me, take me through the broad strokes of that. Cause I think I remember from psych 101 years ago, but I don't remember exactly what that is. Oh, sure. So, uh, cognitive behavior. Well, again, I have no training whatsoever and this is going off what I remember from my therapist. No, um, I'm just, I'm just yeah. like, what is your experience? What did they do that helped you? I'm is just, what I'm asking. <laughs> in my mind, I just see someone at home like, that's not what this is at all. <laughs> no, no. Um, I do have a nerd following and they will well actually me, but no, we, we're perfect. Being, yeah. Um, so it's my understanding of it was it's basically, uh, for, for me specifically, uh, I'll speak to that. I was uh, panic attacks, sometimes ten or twelve a day. Of did oh anything, my god, I'm dying. Did I'm anything dying. specifically trigger it, or was it just? Yeah, so uh, I was unemployed for like a year straight, uh, and this was uh, I was, had just gotten engaged. My wife and I were getting ready to be married. We were living together for the first time. There was a lot of stress going on, and this was in like 2008 or nine when the economy first tanked. Mm-hmm. Everything was bad. Um, and I was unemployed and my wife is a uh, commercial fisher. So she's gone all summer in Alaska. And so I was alone in the apartment with nothing to do except smoke pot and eat Taco Bell all day, every Mm day. Um, and I had one day in particular where, uh, I started, my heartbeat was irregular and it would sort of like stop and then beat a couple times and then stop and then beat real fast and then beat real slow. And it was, it freaked me out as I think it would most people. Yeah. Um, turns out it's just a thing I have. It's like a family thing. I've been checked out. I'm okay. Like arrhythmia or whatever. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, and pretty benign so far. Um, but I didn't know that at the time and I was freaked the fuck out. Uh, went to the emergency room, all that stuff. And from then on, uh, it just became this feedback loop where something like that would happen. Um, and I became like, uh, it was almost like a tick where I was constantly checking my pulse, I was oh, constantly yeah. checking my pulse, uh, feeling my neck, whatever. And uh, so it just became obsessed with any time that was not regular or any time I even thought about it being not regular, I would freak the fuck out and convince myself, oh, I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to die. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, so uh, go get checked out physically. I'm okay. Uh, so I start seeing therapist. And uh, the whole thing we basically the, – the most condensed version of it is you sort of teach yourself to think, okay, I'm having a panic attack. I feel like I'm going to die. I felt like this before and I didn't die. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably not going to die this time. Right. And then a sort of weird, morbid thing that I had to like, I learned to sort of accept and ended up helping me a lot was to say like, if I do die, my stake in this is done. Yeah. You know, and like part of the fear of dying for me is the guilt of like leaving behind people and what they will go through. But sure. 
if you're actually dead, and this is my philosophy, is like you're not going to see that. Like, you know, life will suck for them, but you don't get to yeah. endure it. Um, anyway, so <laughs> that's sort of a morbid way to talk yourself down from a panic attack. Uh-huh. But it was very much about learning sort of my physiology. Like, okay, what's happening when I panic? Well, my heart races. Okay, did I ha- did I just drink a- an Americana like I am right now? Well, ma- that might have a little something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, have I eaten recently? My heart rate for whatever reason, maybe it's f- like this for everyone, is real sensitive to if I have like a big meal, it'll slam pretty hard for for an hour or so afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of learning to check in. And I think a lot of people – I think this is a problem too with psychology uh, is people think that you go in and you get cured and it's done. No. And it's uh, – yeah, it's more like uh, uh, you know a chronic condition or whatever where like, okay, I've learned to manage this. I still have panic attacks from time to time, but I'm much better at checking in like and, – and also just accepting like, okay, this is a panic attack. I'm right. just going to ride it out. If I'm at home, let's watch a BBC nature documentary. That's my go-to, whatever, right. you know, drink some water and just, or sleepy time tea or whatever and just chill out. Um, so it just – yeah, it works very much to make you mindful of your – symptoms mm-hmm. um, and to overcome them with just sort of basic knowledge of like, okay, I know that I am a, uh, you know, late or early thirties guy with no genetic conditions. I've been to the doctor. I've had all that stuff worked on. Mm-hmm. The odds are it's not a heart attack. It's not, I'm not, it wasn't the 30 other dead. times. So. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't all those other times. I felt just as shitty, but I turned out okay. That's probably what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a huge, huge help. Hmm. for me. Um, and like I said, cognitive behavioral therapy for my particular type of anxiety yeah. worked like a charm. It was great. But you mentioned medication also. So obviously it wasn't just that. Or is that for something else? Yeah. No, I guess it was. I do take um, – I should know off the top of my head what I take. Well, uh, even, even the kind <laughs> of thing. Is it an antidepressant? Is it a, it's, uh, it's a com- – I think it's Wellbutrin. It's a combo. Hmm. So it's a little bit depression, a little bit anxiety. Okay. Um, and I did another one before that that I don't remember what the name of it was. But uh, it killed boners, which was – more depressing in itself. Um, is that, uh, was that Alexa? Maybe oh, hmm. I took Paxil for a bit, which has the opposite effect. Well, oh. not the opposite effect in that I did, couldn't stop having a boner. It was <laughs> nothing would happen. Like I could get, I could, I could get uh, into it, but I could never finish. Okay, that's I had that same symptom, and it was like, that was no, I'm done. I yeah. cannot. That if if I this is tedious. <laughs> yeah, if if I am like cutting my life expectancy by ten years, but I can still have good sex, I'd rather do that. It's a quality of life thing, for absolutely. Sure. And I, having that conversation with my doctor mm-hmm. uh, about like, look, this this medicine actually works a little better for me, except in this one very crucial area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's important to your happiness. Absolutely, absolutely. But okay, but you are on some kind of like antidepressant adjacent. I am on Wellbutrin, yeah, which uh-huh. uh, it just is that for the panic or is that for other stuff? A little bit of both. Um, I think it. Again, I have no training or even know no, at I all. I know that my doctor says that it helps me. It'll help sort of level off anxiety to keep it from getting too sharp, and it also sort of uh, shallows the shallows the valleys. What a good <laughs> phrase. Uh, the the peaks and drops aren't as as extreme for me. So what, how, talk to me about the actual depression part of it. If, if you're comfortable, like sure, at, at any yeah. point, if there's something you're not comfortable talking about. Actually, I, mean, I didn't come here to talk about depression. 
Do you want to go back to the boner no, talk? No, I'm just kidding. We can, I mean, we can do <laughs> yeah. that. I'm fine. I was... I, when I, I said I want to do a boner podcast and uh, you lured me in with this depression thing. Um, no, yeah. I'm here to talk about depression. <laughs> okay, I know, but some people have lines and I totally yeah, respect yeah, like, yeah. No, okay, I'll talk about this, but I won't talk about that. Like, if I'm, I may, and this is just for okay. your warning, I may burst into tears. I don't know. And that's that's fine. Yeah. Um, I am comfortable with my masculinity. You need to, you need a little back pad or whatever. That's beautiful. Totally fine. Beautiful. Um, but like, so what depression, do you want to know? Depression you also suffer from. Is that a separate, are they connected? I mean, it's hard to say specifically, but like. The depression has f- been around a lot longer than the anxiety has. Okay. How does that manifest is kind of what I'm asking. Uh, well, it's a very morose, sulky, uh, angry, a lot of anger. And mm-hmm. actually, um, well, that's the weird thing. It's like the vibe I got the first time I met you. You seem like an angry guy, and I do not know where I get that because every time I've met and talked to you, you've been very pleasant and delightful. But something at the very first time, I was like, that that guy's that guy could fuck me up. I better. <laughs> and it's you're you're kind of a big guy. You're kind of a tough looking guy, but it's not. I don't. It wasn't that. You just look, and you have a smiley face. Like you don't well, look angry. You. But I'm saying like nothing well, about you physically t- tells me you're angry. But I got a vibe. I don't know what it was. No, yeah, I, I put off that vibe, and it's something I don't necessarily like. Uh, uh-huh. My humor is kind of aggressive. Uh, I like sort of uh, cutting remarks, try to do them all in fun. Sometimes they go they go over the line, and not everyone appreciates that humor anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I've always been kind of a snarky. But you don't come jerk. off as aggressive at all. This is this was a totally I, okay. I can't I can't quantify where it comes from. It's just every now and then somebody's like, oh, he looks fun, and you're wrong. Oh. <laughs> He he looks mad and and it's wrong. I don't. Well, the the mad thing I think is is true, and I, maybe part of it is genetic too, because my dad has like a permanent scowl, and my dad is a sweetheart of a guy, like the um, resting bitch face thing. Just yeah, I mean, he's got like a pretty deep furrow just from a lifetime of, mm-hmm. of kind of scowling. Um, and so and like I said, he's a sweetheart. He's mm-hmm. one of the funniest guys I know. I love him to death, but he always looks mad. Oh. Um, and yeah, maybe I just have a permanent resting. Bitch face. Maybe, I don't yeah. know, but you you like you usually look pretty jovial to me. Well, like, thank you. And you know, I, I honestly, I th- I think uh, again, armchair psychologist. Part of it is uh, I was bullied like really badly as a kid, mm-hmm. um, and so I think part of it is sort of that whole like prison yard mentality of like I got to put out this vibe. It so might be like no a body language thing. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. you enter a room, you just want to make sure, like subconsciously or whatever, like I'm, I'm, you know, I am very conscious uh, of how I hold myself and mm-hmm. how I sort of project. Like, okay, my shoulders need to be here, and I need to sort of be upright and erect to sort of, yeah. And it it comes from like if I'm the hunchy kid, right? I'm I'm dead meat. I'm well, dead and in that's the water. and also I imagine being a performer puts you makes you more aware of that stuff. You're a lot Definitely. more aware of your body language of you of what you project, what specific specifically holding different parts of your body like tell people yeah yeah definitely um i i was always like a hunchy Mm -hmm. kid i've been uh you know a bigger guy i've been fat since i was a kid um and part of the part of the way i coped with that was always sort of rolling my shoulder and trying to diminish my size myself i I do a lot of that Uh, myself now yeah and yeah i think it's a pretty common thing um and so i've recently like started rejecting that and saying like no i'm gonna i'm gonna stand up straight and tall like a man god damn it it's <laughs> um, that awareness you were talking about before like being a, being a creative person you maybe have a little more like of a of a critical part of your brain that can look at things you know analytically and say i do this i don't want to do this yeah where yeah. maybe other people who don't do that might not be aware i uh i am sort of paranoid that i i have like a little bit of uh 
megalomania or uh, or some I just think too highly of myself, which is also partly Midwestern guilt. Uh-huh. For how dare you think highly of yourself? But I'd like to think that I'm very uh, empathetic and really good at reading things like body language and like those little uh, facial signals to see what people's moods are. And then uh, – Playing with those things sure. and manipulating people. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I like that. I like the dark turn that that took. I was a, I was a sullen, moody loner kid who really wanted to be an evil genius, and I was never good at math. So <laughs> here I am as a uh, sketch comedian. <laughs> That's basically the path, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I, all the all the ones that I know are basically like like fit the template for evil genius but then yeah that they always fail the math yeah every time. that stem field is just brutal <laughs> but you getting back to the like the anger thing which is how mm-hmm. we got a little sidetrack there yeah was that the bullying or was there is there something more inherent like is it is it related to experience or is it do you think more inherent yeah i think a lot of it comes from uh not just bullying but just sort of feeling helpless in general and not like i was uh particularly storm tossed or whatever as a kid. Um, but I took a long time to figure out, uh, or to like feel brave enough to sort of take control of my own life and surroundings. Mm -hmm. So I was all always sort of waiting. And I see this a lot in, uh, in some people I know. And like, this is such an old man thing, but (laughs) like the, the generation coming up under me, kids today. Um, and I was the same way of like, well, I'm just waiting for the world to reach down and hand me my, uh, career or my, you know, I've, I'm going to school and, uh, I've got a shitty job and eventually that'll just turn into something because that's how I expect it to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it never did. And that a big part of the anger of my depression, uh, manifests as, uh, being mad at the universe like it owes me this thing or it didn't things didn't go the way i wanted Mm -hmm. and how dare they not do that which i think is a pretty common human reaction that is usually yeah we're taught as no no you're right you're absolutely right i'm what i'm what i'm trying to determine and i I mean i obviously can't like diagnose i mean i could but sure you you know let's do it what do you think yeah i mean you probably should get a second opinion but okay go to another podcast i don't know mark maron could probably tell you like oh you hate your dad I don't have any uh, cool? SNL history, so I don't, he doesn't have any interest in me. <laughs> you know, I almost met Lauren one time. Mm. Um, that's all my Mark Maron stick. That's all I got. That's all he's got. <laughs> nice. Um, but like, it's it. I'm wondering if if you like, as you say, your experiences weren't particularly bad. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were wired to react. Like, you know, maybe maybe it is more genetic. Maybe it's more physiological, and your reactions to a relatively normal life. You know what I mean? You understand what I'm getting at? Yeah, I think so. And I, uh, just sort of, uh, looking at my, you know, family history, like my dad, uh, is a, uh, can be a moody person when he's depressed. Um, it wasn't until I came out and said, Hey, family, like I've got these issues going on and they're really fucking me up. Mm -hmm. And at, you know, 26, 27, whatever, that's when they were all like, Oh, yeah, well, I, I have that too. You know, like I, I've suffered horribly from that my whole life. And I was Uh like, Why? Why don't we talk about about these things? Because we don't talk about it. Um, So, yeah, I know my dad has been uh, medicated before. I don't know if he still does or not. But um, so, yeah, and his father, I always was told my grandpa Cleveland was schizophrenic um, uh, or uh, an alcoholic. Mm. And um, come to to find out, it's more of he was a, uh, a veteran 
who just got really shitty care. Oh, just bad PTSD? Uh, yeah. So I don't really exactly know what was going on with him, but he had some sort of mental illness and it was just he got oh, exacerbated terrible, uh, yeah, terrible mental care from the, the VA or whatever and, and basically ah, was just left sucks. in a home. Yeah, so, you know, like my memories of him are uh, just hating going to visit him because uh, he was – Well, yeah, if you're a was, kid and that's – Yeah, like, it was scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Um, and it's taken me a long time to not feel guilty about that. But like you said, I was a kid. But uh, so, like, I think if it runs somewhere, that's the vein. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on my mom's side, like, she gets the um, seasonal affective disorder, which I definitely have. Like, I feel it coming on with the weather today uh-huh. being rainy. I'm like, oh, God. Um and her, uh, my mom's family is all very fractious, and they're it's full of uh, these like weird blood feuds. Like there's this legend of my grandpa, my mom's dad, took my uh, I think it was my grandma, but a girl he was dating. They came out to Washington to visit his aunt. His aunt, who's a very religious woman, said, uh, and this was in you know the fifties, mm-hmm. said, uh, "Hey, you know why you guys are here? I'm a God fearing woman. I don't want you to share a bed." You'll need to sleep on the couch. Mm-hmm. And he uh, stormed out of the house with his girlfriend, I think my grandma, and never never talked to her again until the day he died. Wow. Um, so there's all kinds of that stuff where I sort of joke about, like, who are we mad at this week? Um, <laughs> it's tough to tell. Like, I have a estranged aunt who's a uh, terrible person. <laughs> but, uh, like, I had another aunt who was estranged for a little bit but then came back. And uh, so, like, my dad's side, depression, anger. My mom's side... Uh, and my mom's the same way, and I get this too. Of like, it's very much uh, sort of a runaway instinct. Mm-hmm. Like I'm mad or I'm upset, and I'm just gonna leave. Oh, so uh, flight instead of fight. Yeah, but sort of flight as sort of a power play. Okay, flight as sort of like I'm not gonna dignify you with a response. <laughs> I, I'm thinking flight in a passive aggressive Midwestern way. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> nailed it. I see. I got a lot of that stuff going back too, and and my wife does as well. And this is one of the many reasons we don't want children because we know our genes are poison, and we don't <laughs> do not want to do that to someone. My wife, Kat, worries about that a lot. Uh, yeah, her family has uh, some mental health stuff going on, and mm-hmm. uh, some various issues with addiction too. And she's like, I just yeah. don't want to put that on yeah. a kid. Um, which I I can totally understand. And then at the same time, I'm sort of like. Maybe it's sort of naive Pollyanna, like, no, it wouldn't happen with us. We're good people. <laughs> I mean, it's a dice roll, but, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. it's just that with us, it's like the, we, we've already like it's it's probably it would probably I mean, there are so many other reasons we don't want kids. Let's be clear. That's that's certainly not the only one. But right. right. But we've every now and then we'll talk about our families. Like, Jesus, thank God we're not having kids. This, yeah. <laughs> this, we, I do not want to pass this to another generation. This needs to die here. I go back and forth between like, I'll never have kids and like, oh, it'd be nice to have kids. And I think maybe if I did, I would adopt Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that's a whole other dice roll, and you don't know if you're playing with d20s or what in terms of your. Uh, your st- <laughs> oh, you're trying to talk nerd. I I don't like D&D, so that didn't the work. Audience, damn it! <laughs> no, I get you. I know what a d20 is. Okay, good. Um, it, but I mean that does sort of bring us back to the thread that we got here, which is I mean heredity environment really. Like, is sure. it is it nature nurture whatever? Like, it, it sounds more like the issues you dealt with are less circumstantial and more you just you were kind of prone to a certain outlook and maybe things didn't go exactly the way you wanted and that just kind of nudged you in that direction 
Yeah, maybe. Um, but then I look at someone like my wife who uh, had, you know, again, didn't have a terrible life by any means, but had her share. Of, you know, she's got two brothers that were, were pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was the middle child. And she's definitely like the glue of her family, just constantly like, just hold it together. You know, and she never got to have her space to act out or be nuts or whatever, because she had to keep it on the level. Mm-hmm. And she grew up in a family where they were much, uh, at least compared to mine, much more willing to say like, uh, you know, things are bad and I don't, I, I feel bad or whatever. So like, oh, okay, go work on it. Go do something. Uh, maybe it's just that West coast mentality versus my Midwestern roots. I don't know. That could be. And she, I, you know, I think she would agree. She's way more put together than I am. Like I said, she was the one to say, you really should try some therapy. Um, and when we started living together, we were both, uh, like I said, I was unemployed. She was at home for a big part of it, and we would just stare at each other all day, every day, oh. and go nuts. Yeah. And so she was the one to say, like, we need couples therapy. And like, what? No. With true love doesn't need couples oh, therapy. You know, I was, I was that yeah. guy. Um, so I think, you know, I think it's not to cop out, but I think nature and nurture are both oh, really equally yeah. important. Um, maybe nurture more so because it comes after whatever you're hardwired with. I don't know. Yeah, get your kids therapy. I also, but I also go back to like I hate that uh, sort of stereotypical liberal NPR parent who's like, mm, well, the five-year-olds are in therapy because they need to work their things well, out. But uh, some that, five-year-olds do, I guess. That's a big thing for me because one of my main things is is ADD. Actually, um, oh okay. And I was not diagnosed until I was. I usually know this off the top of my head. Nineteen ninety-six. I was twenty-two years old. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. And so I didn't go through the, I'm not paying attention. I mean, it, it, retroactively, I realized a lot of my stuff was related to that, but it wasn't like, I definitely believe kids are overdiagnosed and overmedicated yeah. for ADD. I think a lot of times, if you look at the criteria, a lot of it is normal childhood behavior and it's hard unless you have a skilled eye to really tell the difference. And I think it's probably better to be diagnosed when you're an adult. But on the other hand, I sure could have been better than a C student because I know I'm smarter than C's, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't get it figured out till too late, but it's hard because. Well, and I uh, have never been diagnosed with ADD, but uh, stared out the window and drew and, you know, did whatever I could to avoid listening in school. And I don't mean to simplify, like, I don't know, ADD, maybe that's oversimplifies or insults yeah, it or whatever. It's, it's not an exact, they can't just test your blood and say, yep, you're ADD. It's so nebulous. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe. Oh. Yeah. That's another, I was just talking about this with someone about uh, the autism spectrum mm. and how it's gone from a, uh, you know, you're the, the person who can't relate to people at all who is in the corner disassociated to now it's, you know, all these varying degrees and like maybe, uh, I think it was Glenn, my buddy Glenn was saying like, maybe one day we'll just admit like we're all on there somewhere yeah and it's all some sort of degree as to what you're uh, affected by or what affects you sure well that's why they call it a spectrum yeah yeah but it's just the the def- the spectrum is sort of ever widening yeah uh to you know i don't yeah know. i feel antisocial today now. so i must be like <laughs> autistic or but you know whatever or, or yeah uh, oh, asperger's yeah. i hear people self-diagnosing asperger's all the time it's like shut up yeah my that's the joke with my mom is like whatever thing they were talking about on 2020 that's how old i am we watched 2020 oh i remember uh anyway she, she oh i think i have that i think i have that I that was always her thing yeah <laughs> yeah and it would be like that's that's like a bot fly larva you don't have that <laughs> <laughs> um 
but getting back to like yeah. overdiagnosing kids and yeah. all that stuff, like it, it's the same with depression. Like there are probably kids who actually suffer from clinical no shit. We need to look at this depression, but there's probably some kids who just get sad sometimes. Like it's hard to tell the difference. Yeah. And, and again, sort of back to my point, like I think everybody gets sad and everybody has shitty things. And, you know, sometimes you have way more shitty things and that's really unfair and that's sort of the, the yeah but for me thing of life for me the definition i mean i you know once again not a doctor yeah uh, i don't know why i keep feeling the need to say that i, I think i'm really sweating it like someone is listening to this for medical advice and like well a comedian in seattle said <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong funny guys you can't you can't fix me <laughs> That's a call-in show. We're actually going to diagnose people now. And we, <laughs> I got this. I got this pad of prescriptions here that we can. Five five five, five Algar. We are fully licensed to write them scripts for whatever we want. You can keep a couple if you want. That's your. That's By your scripts, payment. you mean comedy scripts? Yeah, yeah, just, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where was I going with that? I don't know. Do not remember. remember. That's ADD. ADD. Yeah. Shit. Medicated for yeah. uh, for almost twenty years. But so yeah. how did that how did that manifest for you? What because that's something that's all speaking of overdiagnosis. Like I have no idea what that entails. Like what were the first clues for you or your parents? I, it was easy for me because my brother, who was eight years younger than I am, was having serious trouble in school, and they got him checked out and ADD. And I was like, and. You probably remember, you're old enough to remember, like in the 90s, it was still kind of like, oh, attention deficit disorder. What is that? Yeah. Just kids. smack them. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and it wasn't that bad. Like I was kind of willing to listen, but it was still a little like that. It sounds like a bullshit thing. Yeah. The name does not help it. At yeah. All. Of course, the name for it in the 50s was abnormal brain dysfunction. Oh, so a little bit better. Yeah, the marketing picked up on that a yeah. little bit. Yeah, it's, it's like that old Carlin bit about shell shock, battle fatigue, and it goes on to like, you know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Forth. But um, no, I I listened to all the, the symptoms and all the stuff he was going through. And I was like, that's me. And mom, that's you too, actually. Oh, wow. And she she's never been medicated, but she acknowledges it. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. She just 50 places at once kind of thing. And like, yeah, yeah. Just for me, really, like there's a million ways I could go through it. But the best example, the single example is I couldn't read a book. Like, I mean, I know how to read. Sure. But like, I just, I'd start reading and I would drift or I would just whatever. And like, once you kind of figure out an author's patterns, you learn the parts you can skim because you mm. can get done faster because this is taking so long. And oh my God, I just want to be doing something. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I'm sure. Like that's that is a common sentiment. It's just you feel it all the time. And wow, I was medicated and I could read. I read. I like. I blew through a stack of books that I should have read in high school. Like as I was twenty two, and I blew through a bunch of stuff from like high school English, just like you know, nineteen eighty four, and yeah, yeah. you know, Brave New World and crap like just like because I could read suddenly and like these books all looked interesting to me, but they could never hold my attention. And okay, now, that's I was gonna say because we've all I think we've all had that like assigned reading where you're like this is bullshit no actually none of focus. these was most of these were never specifically assigned it's just stuff that but, fell over my head and just like yeah. i want it just seems so boring but there's probably something good in there maybe i'll just wait for the movie even things you were interested in reading you yeah. couldn't yeah yeah it's and honestly still i've been medicated for 20 years and it's still difficult and audiobooks i find are way easier oh interesting i can focus because i have to i can't skip yeah i have yeah. to hear every word because it's being read to me so oh. that's just a thing 
there's there's a million more ways to to you know mm-hmm. uh, but driving in here and i see this every time i drive up here i saw the uh hand scrawled signs that say adhd is a lie so i i guess i don't know what i'm talking about so. yeah yeah well it's the fluoride in the water yeah or the, obviously yeah. You, you called me out on that when i was talking about like cancer chemicals and soda but you know yeah i came in with a pepsi max today so i'm trying i'm learning <laughs> tastes embrace like, the uh... tastes like ass that's what i really meant that's uh, of all diet sodas to get insanely off topic right now. Diet Pepsi is like the grossest. Really? It's the most chemically oh, tasting okay. to me. See, because I was so like, I'm pretty sure what gave me diabetes is the uh, Pepsi to throw back the, the, the cane sugar stuff. Because I like that so much better than corn syrup. And I just like suck those things down, like go through yeah, a 12 yeah. pack in a weekend or whatever. But yeah, so that's I just got a taste for Pepsi right now. That's all. So speaking of depression, uh-huh. has that no uh, your recent diagnosis triggered anything for you no and in fact i think i think i could turn this back on you a bit too like depression what that's what i was getting at depression and sadness are not the same thing to me maybe they are to you no but depression that i don't want to get out of bed i don't want to do anything fuck it what's the point is not the same as this is a sad situation that i am reacting to in a natural way yeah yeah my recent i was i don't think i've mentioned this on any of my shows but yeah recently diagnosed with diabetes hooray um, and yeah, it sucks and it's a struggle, but I'm mm-hmm. mostly angry and frustrated, not depressed. It's just yeah. like, really, it's just, what do I do now? And little anxiety, but that's it. But that's interesting about, uh, you know, that sucks or whatever, because I feel like for me, that's a lot of what my depression manifests as is beating myself up over shit like that. And when something bad happens, uh, so it comes on in circumstances, like when, when something, when life kicks you, you just let it kick you. That's kind of what you're saying. When, yeah, it's uh, not so much let it kick well, no, me, but, but like more like you deserve to get kicked. Okay. Of course, of course you got kicked. Look at how fucking stupid you are. Look at, you know, you, huh. you do this and like it's uh, you talk about, uh, you know, I come across angry and, and I talked about how my humor is very like zingy and like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just teasing, but I got you a little bit. You know, there's um, a little truth in some of that stuff because I do that, too. Well, yeah. And when people will say, you know, like, Jesus, you know, lay off or whatever. I'm like, hey, I'm, you think that's bad. You should see inside my head. Because it's 24-7. It's mm-hmm. a constant barrage of just, uh, you're terrible, you're awful, you're, uh, yeah. you know, you're going to fail, you should fail, you deserve to fail. I like to think it's Catholic guilt, but maybe, again, it's part of, like, why I had some whatever quirk of biology where that really resonated and my brain just took hold of that and said, yeah, yeah, you are the worst thing. No, because I have that <laughs> internal monologue also, and I was raised atheist. Okay. I had okay. no religion in my life whatsoever. I still don't, and I still feel that. So, no, that's, I mean, Catholic, that may have made it worse because I know plenty of Catholics and I know that's in there, but, sure. but no, that, that doesn't inherently come from Catholicism. Okay. All right. Well, there goes that theory. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't help. They did not. But, Talk about those guys. <laughs> no, nah, we'll, we'll steer clear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, no, I just like, it's interesting because for me, honestly, honestly, for me, this is the kind of the opposite of what you're telling me is like, when bad stuff starts happening to me, this isn't always true, but a lot of times when bad stuff sure. starts, that's usually when you get me at my best. Oh. You kind of back me into a corner and it's like, well, fu- I can't stay in bed now. I got to fight this. Okay. I got something to do now. I got a purpose. Yeah, yeah. My purpose is figuring out what I can fucking eat. But it's, you know, it's it's something like I can't just lay here and ignore this. I got to do something about mm-hmm. it. And, and I, thinking back in the last, say, 10 years, anytime something like and, and typical life stuff, like anytime a financial hard fall or sure. hard fall, is that a word? Yeah. Sure. What yeah. the hell? Hardship. Hardship, that's it. For. Yeah. Windfall is the other one, and that's the opposite. Yeah. yeah. And a windship yeah. we'll never have. 
No, unless you live like out in the dunes, then you got one of those cool. Or in a Final Fantasy novel or uh, video game. I don't know. But you, you, man, I am swinging and missing with you today. I don't. I don't even know Final. Like this thing. I don't. I don't know video games. I don't know D and I'm a terrible nerd. All right, but Fair um, enough. no, it's it's for for me personally. Like when bad stuff, like when life kicks me, I'm like, you can you gonna kick me, you fucker. You know, that's when I stand up. Where it seems like you more like that's when it starts saying, oh, stick. yeah, all right, kick me, I guess. <laughs> Well, yeah. So I don't think it is uh, kick me, I guess. Um, I think it becomes a sort of spiteful rage. But again, I, I'm not able to uh, lash out and motivate and say, well, I'm going to come back stronger. It's more of I retreat and do like, a, well, just you fucking wait. Like, you got <laughs> me this time. And uh, my, you know, you're talking about, I've, I've of course, well, now I got to do this thing. Mine mm-hmm. is like, OK, fine, I'll go with this shit hand I've been dealt right now but I'm gonna be waiting behind the scenes and then I'll spring some plan and then uh, you know that was my well, whole time working at Amazon was like just you fucking wait you animals <laughs> not, not like I wanted to like shoot the place up or whatever no, no, no. I was just like I wanna fucking make you people as miserable as you make me <laughs> well and now, now the lid's been blown off of that sure about about how like awful like was that really your experience that was it really that bad there yes it was uh awful uh i worked for woot.com which was acquired by amazon so we were unique because we had our own little self-contained unit that was transplanted into the belly of the beast let me guess they assured you that everything would stay the same nothing was gonna change Uh nothing was gonna change Uh um and then it all did so actually that's the way i was fired was my boss's boss who was his name was garth mater and no he did not appreciate the jokes uh, I guess he had, not. He had I no sense not. of, you'd think a 50 something year old man would be able to say like, yeah, okay, I've heard it, but no. Huh. Uh, he called my boss at home, said, you're going to fire Randy. Here's how you're going to do it. My boss being a decent human being was like, look, man, this is, this is what we've got to deal with. I don't know a way out of this. Here's the conversation I just had. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So I emailed this guy, this Garth Mater to say like, look, obviously I've pissed you off and, uh, now I see that there are consequences. <laughs> so, yeah. like, if we can do a reset or if I can grovel or whatever I need to do to try to show you that I'm serious and I want to keep this job. I just bought a house. And uh, he emailed me back and said, like, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. And uh, I called HR immediately and was like, hey, so this is the deal. I yeah, know how do this I is, handle this? I know this is what is happening. And the, at Amazon, it's a performance improvement plan, which is basically – this is how we will deny your unemployment is say that you failed to meet this plan that we gave you. Oh yeah. Um, and HR told me privately, you know, just look for a job, just spend your time there job hunting because they're, they're going to force you out and there's literally nothing you can do at this point to save your job. Worst. So that sent me into a bit of a funk. Now, is this the Um, unemployment part uh, period you're talking about or is this unrelated? Oh no, this was years. (laughs) Okay. 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 Uh, totally different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That one was uh, 2008. I was working just at like a recruiting agency Mm. and um, uh, the owner flew in from New York one day and uh, he announced a special meeting. They bought us pizza and he said, "Uh, you're all free to go. Oh, take uh, as much pizza as you want. (laughs) (laughs) That was nice of them. (laughs) It was kosher pizza. It was awful. Oh, man. Not that kosher is inherently bad, but. No, but pizza. certain pizza or certain foods don't you don't yeah, tamper with. Exactly. 
That's actually exactly. briefly. I'm trying real hard not to be old man who talks about his maladies, but you know, I'm thinking about diabetes a little bit recently for some reason. That's yeah. that's one thing I just can't cater. Like pizza, I'll just have less of it. I understand I, it's a problem, but I'll have a slice. But I can't have like special fancy. Pe- no, pizza's got to be pizza. That's the whole f- and. Th- if you haven't already, I'm sure you will get the like deluge of uh, well wishers who are like, "Oh, well, this thing worked for my cousin, or this, uh-huh. you know, this totally oh, changed yeah. my life, or whatever." I think whatever it is that sticks in your brain and makes you remember to eat less. That's. I mean, I need that anyway, thing. so it's fine. But yeah, yeah, you know, it was a wake up call or whatever. But no, I'm just like just to to feed into the point of yeah, kosher pizza must like no, come on, yeah. No, like I, I have, I, I have not known a ton of Jewish people, but I understand they have a really strong tradition of fantastic food. But yeah, but I don't imagine kosher pizza is among that. They are not a pizza maker. Um, he was interesting because he was also he spoke in a very deliberate British accent. Was it real? Uh, it was not. <laughs> Come to find out, my English, my boss, who was actually English at the company, was like, "Oh yeah, he he fakes that." Was he, he offended by it? like? Uh, oh, he didn't know that we knew. Oh, okay. Uh, but oh, the, my English boss was not offended. He thought it was hilarious. Oh, okay. He's, he's like this pompous clown. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, but okay. So you talk about like, sorry, like, yeah, way off course. Oh no, that's fine. That that is that is my con- again ADD. But that's beautiful. Tends to be the conversation style for any interview type stuff I do. I hope everyone's hearing the sirens. That has been background. nuts today. We did some yeah. voice recording here earlier, and we had just had to keep keep stopping because just some I don't know, people very inconsiderate people with their fucking emergencies and it's fires very and, stormy out. I think a lot of uh, power lines and stuff are down. Oh well, I, I, yeah. okay, I guess fuck them. Yeah, I thought there were fires. Fuck those people. Well, it might be power line falls down, it might light your house on fire. Or I something. suppose. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Anyway, um. <laughs> Talking about just the whole like like when bad stuff happens and so you you yeah. tend to be like go back lick your wounds and then like what redouble your efforts or just kind of slowly build your energy back up or like what's your yeah I guess it's I guess I don't redouble my efforts now that I think about it it is very much a just go just brood okay a lot of brooding a lot of uh, but eventually you have the situation to deal with what do you do um well I think in the I'm, just to say, uh, I'm actually like in the best place I've been mentally, I think maybe in my life right mm-hmm. now. I'm very busy. I got a lot of stuff going on and I think that's a very important You seem like one of those kinds of people like me who your life is better when there's a lot going on. Which I never knew until like this year. Uh, and I always hated having a lot of stuff going on. I would, I would sit on the couch and watch movies and play video games all day, every day if I, the world would let me. Luckily, it doesn't. And I've learned that actually that makes my life really terrible. Um, but so that's what I would do is I would go back and just brood and talk, you know, it was fucking motherfucker. Mm. And then play, you know, play, turn on the Xbox and burn six hours. Right. Uh, stay up too late and then be, feel terrible and go to work the next day. Huh. Um, yeah. So v- again, it comes back to that thing of like, f- uh, it's a very entitled way to live, but feeling owed mm-hmm. like this shitty thing happened and how dare the world okay, let but that shitty thing happen th- to me. And you might be different, but to yeah. me. I tend to think of things narratively and I think because you write, you might think the same way just in terms of the story here mm-hmm. is that I have struggled and I have done the right things and now I'm supposed to win. You know what I mean? Like in a very, totally. in very, in very broad strokes, that's, that's it. Like, wait, no, this isn't the part where I lose. I did all the right stuff. Yeah. And and I think we all have a little bit of this of like, no guys, I'm the main character. Right. Right. <laughs> this and shit doesn't happen to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. And like, so every now and then stuff will happen and I'll feel, but I don't deserve this. And wait a minute. And then I have to step back and say, but the, the deserve is th- this perspective here. Mm-hmm. When you back out, there is no deserve. You just yeah. get what you get. Yeah. For when I, when my depression is in full force, uh, I will notice it's even the smallest thing, like dropping of a, a cup uh-huh. or something, or it does not even oh, a God, glass yeah. where it breaks and it'll just be like a the fucking course. That's what I wanted to happen. Like that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Where, uh, sorry if I just blew out your mic. <laughs> no, no, you backed up. You wisely, like very pro, very professional there. All right. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So we're, um, just this sort of like, again, like how dare the universe not go the way I want. And, and that's, I've gotten much better at recognizing like, Oh, I'm, I must be dealing with some shit right now. Cause I'm acting like a petulant child. Mm. Um, which, like I said, it took me a long time to get to the point where I could even recognize that. Well, the self-awareness is important. Like so many it's people critical. I see struggling with stuff that I've been through. And it's like if you just look at yourself and like pattern recognition, if you just mm, see yeah. this happens to me every so often and just realize that it does. And then the next step is why does it? Yeah. And then you can get to the path of fixing it. That's what Cat, uh, my wife and I joke about a lot is, you know, we'll talk – You know, you always have a friend or someone who's going through a crisis or doing something and you think like, oh, they're not making the right decision for this. And we always joke like, well, it's easier to live somebody else's life. Um, Actually, back at the Amazon thing, there was another guy when they moved uh, Woot to Seattle. They also gave us the option to move to Texas, which is where Woot's headquarters is. Mm -hmm. And um, one guy took that road and moved to Texas going into it like i hate texas i fucking hate i was like why are you doing that well it'll be like marginally cheaper than seattle okay (laughs) um so he was pretty much in the same boat as i as like miserable and acting out and hating life and like seeing him would give me moments of clarity of like that guy's an asshole look at him lashing out at all the people oh right (laughs) just like i'm doing (laughs) Um, well, see, I definitely have people like that where I can recognize my patterns in other people, but also, and this comes from, uh, you sound old, the next generation, whatever, but really sometimes I see younger versions of myself and I'm just like, look, here's a way to fix it. And I'm not saying I can solve their problems. I'm saying you need to solve your problems, but first you need to be aware of your problems. Absolutely. You need the, the perspective. And that's, I wish I could just gift that to some people. Yeah, well, it's a, it took a lot of therapy and a lot of really hard. That's the other thing about therapy is not it's not you go in, you tell your problems, and you're done. Like it's hard fucking work. Yeah, and I think that's what turns a lot of people off too. But it took that for me to be able to recognize, like a, that I had problems that were holding me back, and and b, when to recognize them. And I, you can't fight something that you can't you refuse to see. Right. You know? Right. Um. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle back to the whole Midwestern guilt thing of like, no, everybody has rough patches. Yeah. You know, what are you doing feeling sorry for yourself? Get out there and go. And it's like, it's tough. It's okay to feel sorry for yourself if you're like addressing it and trying to sort of change your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm just No, no, I get, I get you. And actually it, it reminds me of. Uh, getting to the Midwestern thing. And and again, that, that's kind of a stereotype. Not everyone in the Midwest is like that. And plenty of <laughs> people from other places are like yeah. that too. But like, it's just, it's a nice shorthand that I know you understand. Yeah. It's it's definitely a cultural thing that in the, in the mainstream there. But I will say the other thing I got from my dad was the Midwestern uh, work ethic, mm-hmm. which is, which is, okay, fine. You're hurting, whatever. Keep your head down and work. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Just work. And you know what? That helps sometimes. Yeah, totally. Um, they seem unrelated, but they're really not. 
Yeah, and one can sort of balance out the other of like, oh man, all I want to do is lay in bed today, but I got to go to this fucking job. That's one thing, like, I was unemployed for a year when half the nation was, but other than that, um, I've always been able to hold down a job. Mm -hmm. I've never, uh, I've maybe lost jobs because I was being a shithead, but uh, I've never, like, been refused to work or whatever because I'm depressed. Right. Um, And that, again, (laughs) Younger kids today. Uh, I, I see like a thing happening where kids are just sort of dropping out of life and they're content to like, well, I just won't work. And uh, that was never really an option for no. me. With, uh, We've all agreed with to parents. have a thing called society and you have to do something. Yeah. That's – yeah. I'll, okay. You can stay home, but you don't get to use the roads right. or shop at a there store. <laughs> um and it's just interesting, like, those, the people who are in that situation, I'm like, oh, that's way heavier shit than I think. Because I always, I might have hated every day, but I would go to my job. Yeah. And I would make the, whatever money I needed to, to be able to do, you know, pay my bills at least and, and you know, do whatever other stuff. Um, so, it, yeah, I guess there is that sort of Midwestern, you know, just trudge through it. Yeah, and and I can definitely hear an argument for that being unhealthy, but for the most part, it helps me because... I've gotten certain things to the point now where it's like, even if I'm, and I, I don't have real bad depression. I never have. I've never gotten suicidal. I've never been like super dark. What's I've that? I've been opening my heart to you. <laughs> no, I don't know anything about this stuff. I'm, oh, I don't know okay. your human emotions. I'm, okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's like, I just don't have the deep depths. Like I, okay. I am prone to ups and downs, but they're pretty mild. But, mm-hmm. um. At the worst of the downs, I still have certain things in my life, certain patterns, certain like like I got a weekly show, I got to get out, and there is no there is no time where I think it's acceptable to just not put out one this week. It's got to mm. get out, and it's the same as going to a job. It's the same. You find things in your life you latch onto, and those things are sort of like to keep you steady. You know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. It seems like you have stuff like that too. You have things that like keep you going, even if you're not maybe feeling a hundred percent. Yeah, and it's when I don't. Uh, so when I was unemployed for that year, eventually we moved my wife and I back to St. Louis, uh, St. Louis area where I'm from originally, uh, because I needed to be able to pull whatever strings I had to get a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wound up, we were living in my dad's basement apartment. Uh, he moved in with his girlfriend and we took over his house for a while because we couldn't afford to pay rent anywhere. Mm. So I'd already been unemployed. I was feeling completely emasculated and useless because I was still processing these like outdated like the man should be the breadwinner kind of things uh-huh. or you know not even the breadwinner just be able to contribute to the house no, I've, I've, way. I find myself thinking that every now and then and it's like no sure. it's more that I'm 50% of a partnership and I should be doing my part absolutely absolutely um, but yeah I, I didn't even have that much going on at the time and I eventually got a job at AT&T uh, doing telemarketing for the yellow pages. So I'd call businesses and ask them to like, do you want to advertise in the yellow pages in 2009 or 10? Or <laughs> uh, so already, already super. That's just two of my like telemarketing and phone books. Just like, yeah, right. <laughs> the worst of both worlds. I'm wondering if your beard is flammable right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. You got out. So it's okay. Uh, yeah, but I it, and I had to drive an hour each way to get there. Oh Jesus! Um, I to tell them you could do that from a phone anywhere. No, not according know, to AT and T. Yeah, um, I was forced to pray to Jesus every morning, and not just like, "Dear Jesus, help me have a good day." Like, "Dear Jesus, bring me the money." Which of all the prayers Jesus is going to get? 
That's going I feel pretty like low on the list. That's yeah. the one he, I don't feel like. Anyway, um, and then I would get these emails from this guy named Carson, who uh, was like a blonde, like a bleached, a bottle bleached blonde Michael J. Fox, this like tiny, uh, high, like manic dude. And we had quotas we had to hit, whatever. And he would email me like weekly, like, and with things like, I don't know how you go home and face your wife when you can't put money, you know, bring money home, oh, and put food God. on the table. And like, if I were you, I would just quit because you know this. I don't. I don't know what you're doing. You know, a lot of jobs time. that are trying to trick you into quitting somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. What the hell's going on? Um, <laughs> but people who are scared to fire you that want you to just leave. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. That's that whole uh, "you seem angry" thing. People don't want to take me on I guess. directly. Um, but I would. I would wake up every morning and I would just cry. I would cry getting dressed to go to work. Huh. Um, and I would cry in the car on the way to work and I would get there and I would like collect myself and go in and blast through eight hours of that bullshit. And I would go home and already be upset because by the time I got home, I basically had enough time to eat dinner and go to bed and do this thing again. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't have any sort of theater or comedy or anything going on in St. Louis at the time. Um, so that I was just yeah mi- miserable, like morose lifeless depressed and uh i had a moment uh where i like i lost it and i locked myself in the bathroom with a knife and i told my wife uh i'm gonna kill myself this is where i burst into tears um it's cool yeah if you need need a minute it's fine like yeah yeah just let me uh sort of get through it um and she's like pounding on the door like let me in let me in let me in and uh, <laughs> even in that moment, uh, I couldn't do it. Uh, and I was so – this came out of nowhere. I don't know why I even started talking about it. This came out of um, – even in that moment, I was like, just do it, just do it, just do it. Uh, and I couldn't. <laughs> and my brain started working against me of like, you can't even do this. Like, come on. And – um. I'm not smiling because that's funny. I'm smiling because no, yeah. I've had that thought process. Yeah, totally. That's as close as I've gotten is, well, I could do this. No, I'd probably fuck that up too. Right? Yeah. 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 And you know, and and so then the, the voice uh, in your head starts working against you like, what is this? This is just all theater. Like, what are you doing? This is, all, you know, you're cry for attention, that sort of thing. You're weak. You're too weak to even uh, kill yourself or whatever. Um, and that's when I realized I should get some therapy. Um, <laughs> not when the sensible woman who knows you better than anyone else told <laughs> you. loves but, me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was, uh, yeah. Back to like, I need stuff. And that was a point in my life where I had n- not nothing. I had my wife. I had a family who loves me very much. No, but existing is living. Yeah, exactly. Exa- existing isn't living. And I had no outlet to, uh, express like my... My genius, <laughs> the proud owner of ButtholeMassage.com. Um, I was wondering when you were going to and how you were going to work that in. interview. Yeah. Um, the nice thing is he's still wiping away a tear. I am. While he talks about <laughs> Butthole Massage. <laughs> um, so I think it is really, like I said, I'm busier than I ever have been. And I think it's not necessarily a conscious thing of like, keep moving. I have to run away. I'm not doing that. But I'm just more engaged and active and thus happier than I have been, like I said, pretty, pretty much ever. 
Um, and they're probably connected, right? Like being busy and being happy are probably, I mean, you're, you're keeping busy with things you like, not just yeah. being busy at anything, but yeah. And, and there are times where I get home and I'm like, Jesus Christ, how am I going to do yeah, this what day? You know? And, yeah. but in the moment it's fun and it's exciting and, uh, it's what I want to be doing. And so it's worth it. But I think for my depression, that has really, like, I've really learned that in the last year specifically of like, oh, when I used to say like, whatever I can do to not do anything. That's the that's the best life. I know a ton of people like that. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's it's, I certainly appreciate the occasional day where I'm like I just get to chill out. Um, But for me personally, like that really helps keep those sort of demons at bay of like what's my next thing? I've got a meeting tonight. I've got a lunch. I've got a podcast. I got this. I got that. Well, and that's for me like it's a relatively recent revelation for me that keeping like the busier I am, the happier I am. But like. I'm relating it more to my ADD because the more I have to focus on, the less my mind just is drifting. And when I feel focused, I feel useful. I feel, you know, good and like that sort of thing. I wonder, back to the sad clown thing, if it's the people who are able to keep going, therefore they're more industrious, therefore they're more likely to succeed to make it to that level where you see them as the sad clown. Maybe, but I don't – I know lots of people who do this sort of thing, not exactly the same – like not a lot of uh, live performance people, but still a lot of people who write comedy, who who perform comedy in some way or another, and they're content to play video games 23 and a half hours a day and then show up to record and then go back to playing video games or whatever, you know. Yeah. All right. So do you subscribe to sad clown theory? I don't it all I don't know if a... I, I don't know because what I was what I was saying about the ADD thing is like I think I'm starting to wonder and I don't know and my my shrink doesn't know because it's all so nebulous like he admits like we don't know until sure. there until we can isolate the chemicals that say this is depression, this is this, this is that. It's all kind of guesswork and this medication might work and I like his honesty there. I like like yeah. we don't fucking know. Yeah. I mean, we you know, we can genetically test we can fucking sequence the human genome, but we still don't exactly know what makes you want to jump off a bridge or whatever. Like, right. It's, it's terrible, but it's they're working on it. And even in our lifetimes because you're roughly my age, like mm-hmm. When we were kids, it was nowhere near as good as it is now in terms of specific medications that can address specific chemical imbalances and that kind of thing. It was just like, you're crazy, put you on lithium. Like, that's it. Yeah, it, it was one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah. of like, we're, will yeah, it lobotomy or, you or yeah, 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 totally. And But for me, like, I'm starting to wonder if I actually have actual depression and if it's not just all related to staying focused because if I'm focused, I'm happy. Maybe it's the, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's a current theory and I have a different one every year and. Yeah. Maybe you're just a hap, you're just happy when you're busy. Like when you're in- the, the a thing happens with ADDP and this is how I know I'm really ADD and not sort of borderline guessing because there's a hyper focus, they call it. Okay. Like it's hard to focus on things unless you lock in on something and then that's it. Everything else gets shut, shut out. And this is the thing mm. that is when I'm happiest is when I have something that I care about so much that I, this is, to, to the detriment of everything else. And sometimes it's a bad thing, but for the most part, it's good to be passionate about something. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. so a lot of the times my depression, I had a period, like you're talking about, I was, I, I had a, a pretty serious career. I worked for Bell Helicopter for, um, well, I mean, I worked for defense contractors for like 11 years and I worked for Bell Helicopter for like the last three or so. And I was really good at it, but first of all, I'm not, super into the military and military yeah. culture and all that stuff and which is weird because you go around in fatigues yeah bandoliers yeah right now i'm i mean yeah i mean i'm in my che guevara costume yeah 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 um but no i mean i helped build the next generation of attack helicopters for the marine corps that is what wow. i did for a living like and i'm a pacifist 
Yeah. I don't believe in violence. I don't believe we should go to war most of the time and like yeah. that kind of thing. And I don't really talk about this stuff very much on, on the podcast. But I, I, I felt like kind of a sellout because the money was good and that's why right. I did it because I grew up in a Navy town and that's where the work was. Right. But I also – it was working me ragged because I did have a thing to focus on all the time, but it was my job. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to at the time make comics and now yeah. other things. But, you know, whatever. Just write comedy. And I, I just wanted to go and it just happened that my marriage was falling apart and I met someone else like mm. far away that like, you know what? Everything in my old life sucks. I'm just going to uproot and go somewhere else now. This yeah, is what I yeah. – because the, the small town I grew up in was so stifling and so just – like I mean, everyone's got that. Feeling. But yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, that is hardly unique. Yeah. But I was stuck there until I was 30 because there was good work there. Right. And I really felt like I was never going to leave and it got to the point where, okay, I'm going to make this one grand gesture and I'm going to give it a little time. And if it if it fails, I'll come back. But I mm-hmm. got to give – I got to try once. Yeah. And I came out here and there was no work because <laughs> I came out here right when everything collapsed. Yeah. And I was out of work for a long time. And then I started – like I briefly worked for Boeing because I had a background in aviation. But that just turned into another corporate suck hole of – they wanted me to travel and they never told me that when they hired me. And suddenly, hey, you're going to Charleston, South Carolina for a week. Oh, Wait, shit. Wait, what? And like, no, I don't want that right now. I, I got a new girlfriend here that I'm trying to make things work with. Yeah, like, yeah. Let's not – do that. I got a dog and I live by myself. Who's going to watch my dog? And right. I was like, Ugh. And so that didn't work out. But like eventually, like uh, there was a long period where I was unemployed and I just felt that that is that lines up nicely with when I felt the most worthless. Not yeah. because I needed a job, but because I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. I I sort of envy people who can throw themselves into their work. And like you said, you I think it's whatever it is. If, if maybe it's your model trains maybe it's your sketch comedy maybe it's your job yeah. uh but you got to have something that you look forward to yeah. and uh uh for me it just happens to be you know the the burgeoning seattle comedy scene but i feel like just talking to the different troops like I, I only ended up talking to like five of you but enough to get an idea there are there tends to be one guy or girl in every group who kind of is not necessarily the leader but definitely the one who is more driven to to organize everything and you seem yeah. to be the one in your group Sort of de facto, I resisted it, uh, but everyone else. It's a personality thing. (laughs) Yeah. If you get four people together, one of them is going to be the one that is just more suited to let's go this way, guys. Comedy alpha. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and I'm like for the projects we do, I tend to be the the organizer. Everyone Mm -hmm. else is like, God, I don't know. What what scripts do we need? When do we need to be there? Whatever. You know what? I'll work that out. Yeah. Like, yeah, we can write. You have an equal voice, but I will tell you, like, I, I make the shape of the thing. And you seem like that kind of person as well. You seem like, yeah, I think it's with uh, Princess. It sort of happened just because I'm I'm very prolific at writing stuff. Right. So I was the guy who showed up with the most material. I ended up getting the most stuff in shows. Right. And uh, people were. Uh, Sort of content to say like, okay, well, you, you know, <laughs> but tell that's, us when that's, to be there. Or that's what I'm saying. It's a personality yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. Some people are content, like, and I'm not implying because first of all, I don't know your troop mates that well. But sure. second of all, I don't want to insult anyone if they're not sitting right here in front of me and yeah. defend themselves. But I don't. I'm not implying that they do less or that they are content to do less. But some people, right. some in my experience, some people are content to do less and let someone lead, and that's a good thing because they want to do this thing and it's fun. But if they overthink it, it's not fun anymore. Yeah, and and uh, Glenn in Princess is like that, and it's not an insult because he will be the first to tell you, like, I just kind of want to hang back, and it's fun doing this, 
No, and you guys not, sung his praises pretty pretty heavily <laughs> when I talked to you like last year, like just about being a you know like you'll bring a script which is great on paper, but then he'll bring a little something extra to it. Like absolutely, you know. um, and he's sort of the guy who's like, oh, okay, just tell me the day before and mm-hmm. I'll be there. I like to call him a human dandelion seed. Um, no, my co-host is like that on, yeah. on uh, Sarcastic Voyage and Post-Atomic Horror. And he's he's a great guy and he's funnier than I am. He's naturally funny. Mm-hmm. I have to work at it and he's just like – and I envy that so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That effortlessness. Well, this, there's also the, the theory of like I work so hard to make it look effortless. But I – so far, I just work hard to make no, it look he, like I'm working hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so, like, what I'm what I'm driving at here is I I see a similarity with you that I I've seen in other people. Like, it's not like, oh, you're my soulmate, Randy. Like, no, it's not that. Oh, I got a couple others. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> no, I know. There's there's guys like you, and I would say Clayton is one of these, maybe even yeah. more than we are. Yeah, yeah. That I'm are just super driven and super into the thing they do, and everyone's like, ooh, that guy. Yeah. Let's follow him. He's he knows where he's going. Yeah. Clayton and this uh this buddy of mine, Mark Horowitz, who uh just had an art opening in Los Angeles. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's listening to this. Um there are two guys that I've met who almost everyone else I know, you'll say like, let's do X and they'll sort of like, Oh, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, we could do it this way or that way or whatever. Uh-huh. And with Mark and Clayton, you say, Let's do X and they say, Okay. Let's draw I'm, up a plan. I'm starting it right now. Yep. Where, what are you doing? And you're yeah. like, oh shit, I was sort of daydreaming. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm but the thing is I'm that guy and I see that guy in you too. I've I've been a daydreamer almost my whole life, and I think I've I've sort of hit an awakening after I passed 30 of like, okay, daydreaming is fun, but like I'd like to do not that I have I sounds I feel like I sound so self-important to say a legacy, but like I wanna oh. do something. For me, it's body of work. For me, it's I have a, a great pile of it. stuff like it. it I can't judge whether it's good. I'm just doing the best I can do. And but I did it. I'm yeah. happier with it than I was a year ago, and I'll be happier with it in a year. Yeah. And hopefully people will judge it. Like, that's the best way I've found to not sound self-important about it. But Yeah. Well, that's why uh, places like we're recording at the Pocket Theater are great because you get you get some, uh, not just validation, but you get some judgment on your work. Yes. And, you, and it's a... It's not just a reward. Like, it's not just, oh, I feel good because people came to see me. It's uh, a motivation of like, okay, I get to do a thing. Like, let, let's take charge and let's, right. like you were saying, like, let's double down and, and make this show happen or whatever. But that's that fall, goes back to what we were talking about. Like, you're at the happiest point you've been, you yeah. think. And yeah. also, you, you had an awakening a few years ago where you, like, I think they're connected. Totally. Like, but – for guys who of this, and I don't know what you call it. I do, I really don't know what you say, like what the what the label is for motivated people who prefer to stay busy. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a certain mental temperament there that's a little different than maybe other people. Not that we're special, just that it's a certain personality type yeah. among different ones. And like, I guess what I'm driving at is like, I have trouble relaxing. I, and everyone who knows me says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like – and it's why, like, if I come see a show here, I don't go. Like, I know I'm friendly with enough people here now. I know I would be welcome to go do something social. But it's oh like, yeah, that's not productive. I've already wasted an hour watching, admittedly, a good show. But I got to get back to work. Oh, so it's a this is uh there's anxiety in there too. But okay, it's that's also, what I assumed it was. There's some sorry. of that. Okay, but okay. It's, a lot of it is like, oh my god, I already did. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I get stuff. I get things. Look, it, you got an hour from me, guys. And I, it's, it's not exactly that, but I'm, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like going on vacation is hard because it's like, but we're not doing anything. I'm I'm never more motivated to write than right after I've seen a show because it's that sort of rush of like, 
oh, that was good. Or like, oh, I w- here's how I would have done that yeah. thing. Or I, I want to try to not like, oh, I can do better than them because I'm better than them, but of a sort of competitive nature of like, oh, I want to try to top that. No, I get That's, that. I yeah, get that. I get, yeah. I get all aspects of that. I Sometimes I get, well, I could do that better. I mean, I, it's not a mean thing. Yeah, no, totally. I, when I did comics and I think I failed at it, but I tried, like I, what happened was I went to Wizard World Chicago. I saw the, some of the indie books. I'm like, I could do better than this. And it wasn't even an insult exactly. It was just like, I could do better than it's, this. It's sort of an awakening of like, yeah. oh, that's yeah. the level of accessibility but, is there. I think I can hit there. Yeah. But I've seen some shows here at the pocket where I'm like, I wish I could do something that good. Yeah. And there's certain, and it's, it's not even a quality level thing exactly, but it's a certain kinds of things. You guys do certain stuff that I haven't written that I was like, I wish I could do one of those. Totally. No, I was just talking about this with Clayton. Um, there's a show, they just did their last run because half of them are moving to New York, but uh, mm-hmm. super famous where it was that same thing of like, oh, my, my brain doesn't even work that way. And I wish yeah. it did. Yeah, like, yeah, I wish yeah, I yeah. could do that thing that you're doing. Yeah. 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 Whereas some certain people I watch, it was like, you are so similar to what I do. And like, I, this looks like something I would have written. Like there's some of that too. I, yeah. Uh, working on the Sketchfest Seattle staff, uh, I get to review submissions. And this year in particular, there was one group, I don't even remember their name. I mm-hmm. don't want to insult them or anything, but I was like, this basically is princess from Los Angeles. It's four guys yelling and kissing each other and sweating. And, right. uh, we already got that covered. <laughs> 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 but uh, the, to the to the point of like the relaxing thing do you find that like obviously not to my degree because i see you you know not working plenty like socializing and stuff but you know sure sure well and but for me that is sort of a kind of work because i talk mm-hmm. about this with my uh my wife cat about like oh i have to be on I have to be personable. That's the other thing. Is what if I'm not on? That's when you're like, oh, but you're you're always a smiley guy. It's like I am consciously doing that. Um, so I, yeah, I don't want to say I can't relax because I love nothing more. Like I said, than curling up on the couch, curling up on the couch with a good book. Uh, no, re- watching Netflix more likely, or uh, you know, playing video games or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess. For me, it like I said, I was I went thirty years of avoiding trying to do anything, mm-hmm. and so that relaxation time now is much more valuable and sort of sacred. That's what I'm saying. And it's like yeah. I waste. All right, I already did nothing for thirty years. It's time. Like now is the time. Yeah, because yeah. I'm not gonna be this sharp forever. Yeah. Oh, and I, I I'm terrified of being that like. 70 year old man who's like if only yeah i had you know yes exactly here's this wasted on the young here's here's when i i mean it wasn't exactly an epiphany but it was kind of a big deal was um douglas adams you know who douglas yeah adams is, right? yeah he died in i think it was 2002 and he hadn't written a book in 10 years mm-hmm. and that was that really like i don't want to be that because he was brilliant but he did not want to work he was he was very famously lazy he had so many great quotes, pithy quotes from him. Yeah. Like, I love deadlines. I love the whooshing noise they make as they sail past. You yeah. Know, like, stuff like that. And it's like, that was his life. And he was the funny guy who never wrote any books because he didn't have to. Ha, ha, ha. And it's like, but then he died. Yeah. What if that's me? And it's like, maybe not all my stuff is ever going to be remotely as good as his, but I'm at least going to do it. But... He doesn't is owe it, me anything, let's be clear. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and I'm trying to 
weigh that because it's it's really only a tragedy if he feels the same way. Or right, felt right, right. The same but way did, but right? what it made me realize was I would feel that. You way. would feel that way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, I, I'm not projecting that on him. Right. He might have. He might have been he content been with his life when he died. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But if I died at 50 or however, I think he didn't even make 50. Yeah. And and all my best work was 10, 15 years before me, and I hadn't done anything in the ensuing decade. Mm-hmm. That, that that's not good. So what's what's the thing? What's what the thing you have to do before just just keep working and move forward and try to get a little better every time? There's not some uh, no. like dream, not really project or anything. I mean, it's probably the same for you. You probably have a few things in the back of your head where it's like one day I want to do this, but yeah, yeah. No, you're probably like me doing the thing you want to do now. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, there's always a there's always a next step, or else what's the point? Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah. But that's like I say, I see similar like talking to the group of you yeah i saw a similar drive in you where it's like because i had asked you i think i had talked to um now with dames before you guys and they had the whole plan laid out and everything and and you're like no that's not really our thing yeah but i could still tell you like but next we might do this and then later on we might do this yeah we're making a push this year uh my sketch group princess is we're, this is the year we step out of our backyard and we're going to do some shows not at the pocket. Uh, we're going to try to do some festivals around the country, not just in Seattle. Um, and so it sort of took us a while to like gel and get a feel for everybody and sort of line up our priorities. And uh, coming for living in Los Angeles, um, doing like the program there at uh, Upright Citizens Brigade and oh, West. And yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so I really was like finding my scene. When all that joblessness stuff happened and I had to move back to St. Louis and I sort of, uh, sort of pro- for my own protection was like, well, I'll never, I'll never do that. I'll never take a shot again because I don't want to fall and get hurt. Mm. Um, and so I still sort of hang on to that a little bit. Um, but not like I'm looking to pack up and move to Hollywood tomorrow or whatever, but right. I think I'm finally, Again, back to like, well, I burned 30 years. Now what am I going to do? You know, now I want to start doing stuff. And I don't think I necessarily want to see myself on SNL in 10 years or whatever. But I do want to start pursuing more things. What what you don't want, I think, and I want to speak for you, but I... Feel free. If I nominate you. That's fair. Um, I could put a puppet together in a couple of minutes. We got got puppets. All right. Um, (laughs) That would play on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Puppets on the radio. That was our our selling point for a while. Um, No, it's, it's... you don't want to run in place. There's got to be yeah. a next thing. And it, it could be a small incremental thing. It could be we've played Seattle 20 times. Let's play a different city. Yeah. That's enough. It's, for us, it's, okay, I think we've done just about everything we can do sitting in our houses. We need to get out and get in front of people now. And sure. a friend of mine, um, very wise friend of mine said, it's not comedy if nobody's laughing at it. And it's like, that's a good point. We got to do this in front of people or yeah. we, de- we just never know. Yeah. But I but I've never thought of myself as a performer. It's it's I'm more of a writer who just sits in front of a microphone and it's it's scary. But But I know. saw you guys live and you had a did you? Na- yeah. Um I didn't know that. Yeah, you did a thing here. Uh I don't remember the title of it. It, it was an episode of a uh, Sarcastic Your Voyage. Sarcastic Voyage, yeah. Well, we did our anniversary show here, yeah. Yeah, uh, because I remember because Danielle was in it, uh, yeah. who was a friend of mine, and you did like some kind of pratfall thing or whatever. I was like, oh, oh I took a pie to has... the face, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you take a pie like a champ. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> no, it's, I just, I, I don't know, it's, and you probably get stuck in stuff like this too. I don't have the training, I don't know what I'm, like, you, totally. you've been to UCB, like, totally. Jesus, am I going to get on the same stage as this guy who went 
to the UCB. Like I got nothing. I, I was in high school plays 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the same thing. I was just talking about this with Zach Nelson about, we were uh, talking about like teaching workshops uh, here at the pocket or around Seattle for like mm-hmm. sketch writing and improv. And I sort of have that, like, who the hell am I impulse? Like, why would anyone take a workshop from me, like I'm just a dude in Seattle, the same as anybody else trying to uh, yeah, trying to make people laugh. Know. It's, I mean, comedy is one of those things. Like any art form, is a thing where it's like, sure, you could have a degree in it, but that's not the same as experience. And, yeah, and experience even doesn't matter if you're not really learning from it or if you're not really, you know, like there's a lot of factors there that aren't necessarily there in teaching an actual like step by step craft. Yeah, there's a lot of nebulous like. You know what I mean? It's very esoteric. It's very like, yeah, you've been on the stage, you know, you know, it is sort of a cumulative thing of like the more perspectives and ideas you get, they just, they all sort of add to you. But to tie it all back to depression, Mm -hmm. I think a big thing, speaking of bodies of work and, and that, like the thing for me right now, the motivator is regret and not want like not yeah. wanting to regret right not doing this stuff exactly and that pushes me forward a lot of nights where I'm like oh I just want to go home and go to bed well I'm gonna write this sketch or I'm gonna go see this show that my friends are in because they're gonna do something really cool and mm-hmm. that'll be fun for me or whatever yeah um yeah I don't want to be an old man and worried about what I didn't do well, I probably will be anyway because that's part of my mental anguish. <laughs> I but right right now, especially in light of recent uh, revelations, I would be happy to be an old man of any kind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that should be a goal, I guess, huh? No, I mean, but really, like one thing I've learned with this revelation that ADD kind of drives me and being focused and all that is like stress. Stress is good. Like there is good stress and bad stress for me, mm-hmm. and I think this is a personality type thing. I don't think everybody's like this, but I think you may be like this too. There's a level of stress that is comfortable that like good there's a lot of stuff happening and i feel like like it's adrenaline i guess yeah it's i was gonna say sort of comfortably uncomfortable yeah like, oh how am i gonna fit all this in yes, or like you know yes. yeah like yeah. you were talking about yeah but but then it's like if one more thing piles on it's fucked like there's a perfect level but there's a way to mess it up it's also like uh, we touched on this a little bit about like oh i have 50 fun things to do mm-hmm. this is kind of stressful but I'm looking forward, like Sketch yeah. Fest for me. We put on this month long festival. Like, how am I going to do all no, this stuff? No, and I don't stuff? know how you guys do that, especially those of you who actually have like real grown up jobs that you go to. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. But like I said, it's all fun things. And that for me is a much more enjoyable kind of stress than like, oh, I have 50 projects at work that I have to do before I can go home. And I, all that. I, yeah. I agree, but I have a very sort of repetitive, tedious job. I like my job quite a bit, but yeah. it is very like I started doing data entry and it's effectively advanced data entry now, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like they, I have a good head for details. They like to just leave me in my corner and do it. And I get to work Perfect. from home all the time now. And we get spikes in activity where it's like, I, there's seriously 16 hours of work to do someday. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that's when I have the biggest creative output Really? because I'm in go, go, go mode. And it's like, okay, but while I do this, I can also do this, this, this is going to take a little while. And I'm just going to sit here watching a progress bar. So I could write a script while that's happening. Oh. And it's like, I'm in go mode. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. the busier you, it's, it's like a momentum thing. The busier you are, the busier you want to be kind of thing. Do you feel not necessarily it's that specifically, but interesting. Cause I am a copywriter by trade and in, in the marketing department. So for me, my work is kind of feast or famine where it'll be like, okay, mm. there's a, here's a big spike. We have a big project or, or multiple projects. And now we have a couple of days off and that's for me, uh, those couple of days off are where I'm most creative. Cause it's like, okay, let's keep exercising these 
muscles, this, these well, that's, brain cells. That's what I've always wondered about people who do creative stuff in their personal lives, but also have sort of creative-ish jobs. Mm-hmm. It's like I, the, I was offered not some great stuff, but some stuff in that field. And I was like, yeah, yeah but – what if I use it all up? And that's a stupid way to think, but no, I I don't think it is. When when I worked at Woot, uh, if you're unfamiliar, it's a it was a deal a day website, uh-huh. but we would do we would write zany, irreverent, funny copy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so having to be a little bit of funny all day long while shilling iPods and uh, you know headphones or whatever really zapped me creatively. Like it is good um, to flex the muscle, but at some point the muscles. And I liked used a lot up. of the stuff I wrote there, but uh-huh. yeah, I didn't have any energy to come home and write. Other right. stuff. Right. Um, so I do copywriting now where it's it's zany in air quotes um, by like corporate standards. So it's much more cut and dried than anything I write in my personal life. Uh-huh. And those are different enough that it sort of flexes the muscle without burning it out so I can still come home and bang out a script or cool. write something on my break at work or whatever. That's cool. Yeah. Now, I've, I've found – I mean I haven't ever had a job like that. Like I said, I'm scared to take one. Mm-hmm. Just because I worry, like, no, I'm doing what I like. And having a job that is entirely unrelated that uses a whole different part of my brain seems to be the equation for me that works. That, yeah, like, yeah. Like, just analytical, creative. Like, they're, they're both happy. Well, I tell you separate. what, if you ever do and you mention, like, oh, I write comedy stuff on the side, they will worship you like a golden god for some reason. Corporate people love having, like, the zany yeah. guy. Yeah. Their, and it's it's exactly what you just did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know because I saw you mention on Facebook earlier this week, actually. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in a sketch group. Really? I should come see you. No. Yeah. Uh, let's get – yeah. I'd like to know who I'm inviting to the show before uh, yeah, I don't, any damage can be I, done to those relationships. This is one of the reasons I work under a, a, a pseudonym because I just don't. Just don't. I mean, yeah. it's easy enough to find me if you look, but yeah. I'd just rather not. Yeah, yeah. Just, no, that, that's a different guy. Don't worry about it. I, I still don't have enough – audience that i can afford to turn away anybody oh i don't i i know i mean the thing well the thing about me doing mostly stuff on the internet is my my audience is you know like yeah. it's not huge but it's substantial enough because i can draw in people from anywhere from you're anywhere. trying to get people from seattle who are yeah. into this like it's it's a lot harder yeah. yeah and that's another reason i've been hesitant to do live stuff is i don't know how to get people to show I don't, and i don't want to spend all my time doing it i kind of know how but I don't want to. It sounds tedious and terrible. You kind of know how, but it's tedious and you have to be that annoying guy who's 50 times a day. Like, come see my show. Come see my show. And like, I hate it too, but it works. And it's the only way that I've found to get more than just your immediate circle Can I pay someone else to do that? I mean, you can, but. (laughs) (laughs) I just like, I would rather make the thing than talk about the thing. Yeah, totally. That's how I feel about it. And that's why I don't. I I think that's a pretty common, uh, not flaw, but that's a pretty common problem in the sketch and comedy community and stand-ups especially. Yeah. Uh, they just have a hell of a time inviting people to shows because they're like, oh, I'm I'm the one doing the thing. You know? No, it's people the, I, don't, wa- I don't feel that way. I don't feel like people like, I. well, they should just come see me. It's not that. It's not just, that they should just come see me, but like this is where all my energy is going is well, yeah. doing the thing. And like I don't have time or I also don't want to annoy you. Uh, so Facebook has made that a double-edged sword where yeah. you're like, I can reach more people. Too often and upset them and get them to not uh, pay attention to me anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's tough. It is. But yeah. it's, you know. On the other hand, like, it seems like to, to bring it back to depression, and we probably should wrap up. We're running way oh. longer than you. No, I don't care. If, oh, you, okay. if you don't care, I don't care. I yeah, just don't no. want to take up a lot of your time. But, like. You don't care? Like, you're depressed? 
See, we're tying it back. I am not concerned with how long the show is. We're okay. not shooting for... You, you went data on me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take everything you say literally. Like, That's a guy from Star Trek. He's a robot. I, I get your references. <laughs> because I try to, like... I don't make like I, when we play Star Trek stuff. I try really hard not to like when we're we're doing our show here. Actually, I'm gonna like we're gonna run a, a little video at the beginning that's like here is everything you need to know about this show. Oh, a little like primer. To, yeah, exactly. Like when we saw uh, Pacific Northwest here recently, like they did some stuff based on the news and they gave you the news stories ahead of like context is important for comedy. And so like if we tell yeah. you this is what the Alpha Quadrant is, this is what a Klingon is, this is what a ship is this is why chakotay is terrible then we're good you know he, he is terrible if you don't know he's terrible he uh he is terrible As, aside from the chakotay thing that might be a little bit of a deep cut but no, no. other than that do you think there are people walking into a, a 50 seat black box theater for a star trek show who don't know star trek no but i do think the level like jumping into star trek voyager i think they might okay. not know what is the delta quadrant why is this person a half klingon what does that mean i kind of probably know what a klingon is but right right you know that guy's a vulcan but what all i know is mr spock is this guy the same as spock or what you know like, okay stuff like just this broad like here's the you know like we've never seen a woman captain before believe it or not even though it's the enlightened 24th century she's the first one we got rid of money yeah. But female captains. Oh, that is a whole, that is a whole, <laughs> ma we've done so many episodes just where we try to noodle that. I, I know, I listen to them. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I forgot where we were going with all that. Depression. <laughs> yes, of course. Voyager depression. is depressing <laughs> television. So far it hasn't been. Yeah, it's weird. Senior, yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, I seriously don't. Oh, just in terms of, of helping you, like, you do that adrenaline stuff a lot more than I do. You do the get out in front of people and maybe you're not oh, nervous sure. about it anymore, but you still get that little jolt. I get super nervous. Anytime you're at a princess show or a baby fin show, know that I am backstage doing push-ups and uh, shadow boxing because I have to like burn off that energy or else I will just freak the fuck out. Yeah, well, and I perform improv pretty regularly mm -hmm. uh, around town. I actually have a group, Duck, Duck, Scissors. We have mm. a show November 7th at the Pocket Theater, 7 p.m. Special guest star, Tootsie Spangles from the Libertinis. I don't even know if this will post by then, but... Yep, sure. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, for me, it's much more stressful to know, okay, I have to follow the plan. Um, especially with Princess, there are four members, and it's like, I got to hit this thing so that he knows to hit his thing so that it'll cue the other guy, and then he'll do his thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas any sort of improv, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. It's Well, yeah, the rule of no this script. thing is that he's going to roll with the thing I say, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. And if you, especially if you're playing with people you know and that you trust, it's mm -hmm. like, I'll go out there and I'll, you know, I'll pick an emotion or a motivation and it'll just come to me. And that is sort of how... Uh, like in my work life or personal life too, like I'm much better to say, uh, maybe I'm, I feel much more comfortable to say like, I'll just wing it. I'll just wing it. I know I got a, I know this presentation, I have to talk about this thing. Uh, so as long as I say this thing, then what? I'm, I'm good and I'll riff. What if it doesn't happen? You're playing a trust exercise with yourself. You're, you're letting yourself sure. fall and hoping that you get caught. What if you don't get caught? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, I've de I mean, I definitely, I still eat shit pretty regularly on stage. Um, and I guess so I, I know I've heard improv guys talk enough where, first of all, you develop the skills before you get up there. But second of all, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. If you, if you bomb something, you just move on and the audience is going to remember one misstep among 50 other things. In that, in that regard, 
sort of. I do think you shouldn't just you shouldn't just say, "Well, I bombed." Like it, no, 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 no. But in the middle bad. of a performance, you shouldn't screech it to a <laughs> oh, because, yeah, 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 yeah. Oops, I blew this. Like, that's true. No, that's no, true. And I think rolling. that's that's a good skill to have too as a performer because there will be times when your scripted stuff goes off the rails or someone forgets a line or yeah. you cough or whatever, and the ability to say like. That was a hiccup, and I'm moving right past it. Or to say, like, that was funny. I'm going to roll with it um, is very useful on stage. And so uh, Princess scripts our shows, but we're very loosey-goosey as far as, uh, you know, trying to crack each other up in rehearsal. And if there's a something unique happens in a show, uh, we did our sketch fest set, and a woman booed us. <laughs> she wasn't booing the, the show. We were doing a sketch where Dan's character is a, a super condescending, uh, patronizing husband. Uh-huh. Uh, to, you know, a lot of like, oh, that's okay, sweetie, head patting kind of thing. And I was the wife. And this woman in the front row, he said something super patronizing to mm-hmm. me. And this woman in the front row just sort of let out a low, like, boo. And I locked eyes with her and I said, no, we're on your side. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of what I what I should have done is just done the scene and she would have seen it immediately. Right. But like that sort of uh, I like that sort of freedom to be in the moment and to acknowledge hiccups and mistakes and weird things. I think a lot of comedy comes from that. And so that's sort of my style performing well, I, and in, in life. <laughs> and I, But I mean, I find, I guess, in life as well, like yeah. it's good to have a plan. And that way you always have something to fall back on if you're like absolutely winging and absolutely trust your instincts. But. There's always something to fall back on. Like, improv terrifies me. I th- yeah, well, with improv and in life, Al, I think you'd be surprised how many people are willing to serve you up a nice softball so that you can hit it out of the park. Uh, so you, so what you're saying is trust people. Uh, uh, no. no. No, no. No, I don't have <laughs> – trust yourself. Trust yourself. Uh, I do have a weird – back to our mental hangups. I have a thing about, like, I – I don't even know how to articulate it. I want people to think, God, he makes it look easy. Yeah. I want to look effortless at my comedy, at my job, whatever. I yeah. want people to think like, God, I wish I was – That guy's you know, got to figure that, it out. Yeah. yeah. And and he seems to put no effort into yeah. it, which is definitely holding me back in life. Um, nah. But uh, I think having no plan a lot of the times frees me up to not worry about, oh, I'm off plan or this isn't going to the plan – um, uh, at least in like conversations and performing to where I, it's, it's much more freeing to say like, there's well, not, I'm, there's not a script I have to follow I'm, this time. I'm, I'm not advocating the plan is God. Sure. You all worship the plan. What I'm saying is the plan is a guideline. And if you go off, that's fine. Like, but you having somewhere to start, like what you're talking about with princess, for instance, you mm-hmm. have a script, but Hey, if, if, uh, Josh flubs a line or comes up with something funny on the fly. You just roll with it and you yep. you yep. say your thing and then the other guys jump in or whatever. And that's that's fine. Or someone in the audience does something, you roll with that. like that. But you still have your script and you still know where it's headed. Yeah. And if, it, relating it to the personal side or the work side, I think it's also uh, sort of subtly empowering to not follow your uh, – to not be leading and to let people be coming to you with – be it questions or, uh, you know, like leading the conversation so that you are reacting versus trying to actively steer someone. Uh, it's, it seems much more casual to be able to just, you know, I don't, I, I'm not scripting my remarks. Just tell, you know, ask me a thing and I'll give you whatever comes off the top. I don't know. I'm rambling now. No, no, no. I got you. I got you. Um, anyway, I don't 
I've, I do better, I think, without a script more often than not, which is weird because back to my depression, I hate when things don't go my way and it manifests as anger. Well, yeah, that definitely feeds into my like control freak thing is like, but if I control everything, then it can't fuck with me. Yeah. And that's why you get extra angry when it doesn't go your way, because wait a minute, I was controlling everything. It's also way more assuaging to my ego when it's like, oh, man, that went well and you didn't even plan it. Good job, you. You're a really smart guy. <laughs> I just think, oh, well, that was a happy mistake. But, th- th- you know, next time I better have a plan. Oh, yeah. See, I'm more of like, yeah. I'm like any guy in an 80s movie wearing Ray-Ban sunglasses. That's who I wanted to be as a kid. Remember Shades from Teen Wolf? That's oh, who I wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. I also remember there's a, wo- there's a, there's a girl in that story named Boof. And she's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. But you know what boof means, right? I do. Okay. Did it mean that back then? Yes. Okay. Yes. I was I was 13 years old in 1987, and it definitely meant that then. Okay. <laughs> old enough to be aware of that. And like, did, did they call her boof? <laughs> really? <laughs> All right. Um, I think we probably should wrap this up. I mean, if that's not a clue yeah uh any any final thoughts anything like any did you come here thinking there's anything i like any point you absolutely want to get across that maybe you didn't or um don't don't ever be afraid to get help yeah Uh, that's always all all these mental uh, illness mental health things that i do yeah absolutely talk to people about it be more open that's what i'm trying to do is encourage yeah openness if you've got a university or a college near you they probably have a psych department with a sliding scale where you can work with that's who i see as a student oh yeah who is supervised by a professor to make sure that they're doing their job (laughs) um but it's much more affordable that way and you still get uh care because they're they're already certified they're just trying to get However oh, okay. many hours what so I, that I'm, they can... I'm picturing the psychiatric equivalent of a student driver, and I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> they are graduates. They just need so many clinical hours or whatever. And every night they turn in your file or whatever to a uh, supervising psychologist who says, like, okay, you're doing the right thing. You're handling this correctly. Hmm. Um, and if you, like me, uh, don't like to do things – push yourself to do some things do fun things doing things is rewarding and it feels good yeah try to find uh comfortably uncomfortably busy yeah yeah find uncomfortably busy yeah that's some good grammar you got there comfortably uncomfortably busy (laughs) I'll, i'll think of a better way to say that uh but yeah thank you very much for this i appreciate like a lot of people are not willing to talk about this stuff and you know yeah not, not, not willing to get themselves to the point where they they tear up like that's it was, you know i'm not 100 percent sure i exactly wanted to but i i share your feeling that it's very important no but the, it's healthier to the, talk about it the vibe i got from you was not turn off the microphone i don't want you to put this out in the world the vibe nope, was nope. i'm talking about this and let's talk about this and yeah. that's that's good i think that's the first step yeah absolutely yeah. and that's why a couple of people have asked me and it's not like a you know this doesn't bother me or anything but a couple of people, why do you talk about this stuff so much like why you go on and on about depression it's like cuz one, I want different perspectives on it. And sure. Every time I talk to someone like you, I learn a little more because you got a little bit of a different outlook than the last person I talked to. But also, the more you talk about it, the less stigma, the less people like your family or my family would say, like, "Why well, just? It's fine. You don't talk about this stuff." Yeah, yeah. Or, or my mom, like, will just cheer up. It's like the uh, the comedy workshop thing. It's we're all adding pieces and experience to our cumulative knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. The more people you hear about, the better. I think. Yeah, and it's dear to me so that i was happy to come in and Excellent. talk to you well i appreciate it. 
show was produced by me, Ron Algarwatt, and featured Randall Cleveland. Randall can be found on Twitter at at Landar, that's Randall backwards, and you can learn more about his troupe, Princess, at ButtholeMassage.com. Sorry, apparently it's pronounced Buthole. To learn more about me, visit Algar.com. That's double A-L-G-A-R dot com. Thanks for listening.